because at that stage most of the pregnancies are ivf pregnancies most of them have had some issues like bleeding in pregnancy low placenta pregnancy diabetes pregnancy hypertension or twins things like that so in those situations many a times operative delivery may be the safest option compared to the normal delivery but if there are no uh, contraindications medically normal delivery can be achieved hey guys welcome to another episode of power of passion i am nivedita the host of this show in this show i would be interviewing the inspiring personalities who follow their passion in order to help you to understand your inner potential and how to live your passion with a purpose and lead a meaningful life today we have a very inspiring guest who is a gynecologist and a laparoscopic surgeon dr gauri meena on the show she is a senior consultant at apollo hospitals chennai and the founder of women's choice clinic she is also the author of the upcoming book blissful birthing and beyond she has over 15 years of clinical experience in india and uk and she is also a gold medalist and a university topper her main focus is high risk pregnancy and laparoscopy so without further ado let's welcome our guest gauri meena hello doctor Hi, thank you so much for coming to my thank show thank you thank you i feel so privileged and blessed to be here call me meena because then it's like i can talk from my heart it's uh, much more closer to my heart when you call me meena it's nice definitely yes going forward i'll call you that way <laughs> okay so you are a gynecologist right. and you are also a laparoscopic surgeon so right. my basic question is like i was curious to know because there are different streams of medicine right like uh, dermatology neurology so so many fields are there but what made you actually to choose gynecology and specialize onto it what was your inspiration or motivation yeah before i go into that i'll just make a small clarification between the word gynecologist and obstetrician you know spelling obstetrician might be little difficult for some of us but that's what means a doctor who helps pregnant women gynecologist actually means a doctor who deals with non pregnant women but okay. in our society we are used to using the word gynecologist to you know address a doctor who deals with pregnant women okay so that is something i wanted to clarify even though we may not change the society's way of using terms but i thought this right. is a good forum to clarify these terms okay. and uh, let me um, you know just rewind into my past i am born sure. to two doctors my mother is a general surgeon and my father is a pediatrician so as a kid i used to you know understand things that went on in their lives both in personal and in career lives my mom used to take me to her clinic and in one room i'll be sitting and doing my homework in the next room she'll be seeing patients so it was i think it was weaved into me i wouldn't say may, may not be in my genes as such but the environment was such that i loved medicine but how did i choose gynecology that is uh, something i would love to share seeing the sure. way my father and mother operated their lives i saw my mom was always in an emergency mode because surgery is like that she has to be like a captain 
and suddenly she will become like an army captain she will just change from that lovable mom to somebody who takes charge of the situation on the other side i saw my father having pretty uh, you know cool life being a pediatrician he was with kids yes he had some emergencies but they were not in the league of the surgical emergency then i thought i should go into neither let me choose something which has a balance of both i think that was my logical side but emotionally i connect to women a lot and uh, all my life starting from a young girl whenever i i'm able to retrace my memories i found that women uh, are not given the respect and dignity they deserve be it in any uh, front of life especially when they have to be worshiped as goddesses uh, i think we are not doing our best so i thought i should give it a try and try and give the honor and dignity that they not only deserve they are born with it so i shouldn't be someone who takes it away let me remind them of their magnificence and uh, the beauty and their uh, you know the power that with which women are born so even before i became a doctor i somehow felt that i should be dealing with women's lives and i should be doing something for them uh, may not be in a big uh, you know uh, like a mission kind of a way where i'm going to change the world not dramatic that way but in some small humble way i always felt drawn towards this and one particular incident uh, that comes to my mind is when i was about i think 6 or 7 uh when i was in the clinic along with my mom a pregnant woman came she was not supposed to visit a clinic she was supposed to go to a hospital it was her fifth pregnancy the baby was coming by the legs and not by the head and then right before my eyes the baby delivered there was not much time for my mom to react or to transfer the mom or even to make sure that i was you know protected protected so i literally saw what was happening and i was excited to see how things happened so i think all this has an imprint on my mind and uh, right. so that's how uh, i'm a gynecologist today it's so nice what you told and how you got the inspiration from your parents and then the instant that you told really touched me yeah okay so i can see how passionate you are but also on the other hand how much of hardships you will also have right when there may be emergencies we will have calls suddenly and there is a personal life for each one of us people from outside we do not know what all the hardships you are facing through but when you actually are so much passionate in doing something that will not be like a hardship for you right so how do you balance your personal life and when it comes to uh, situations in your job so how do you manage both okay initially i had uh, fought with myself to be able to reach this level of equilibrium because as a kid as a college goer i was always the type a personality who wants to be the front bencher the topper who was an overachiever kinds because internally i felt inadequate so that used to be my coping mechanism i was ambitious workaholic very proudly workaholic kinds and then i was looking for perfect perfectionism because i didn't know at that time that perfectionism doesn't exist i didn't know that so i was in that uh, mindset and when i entered this particular field i understood that life is going to be regularly erratic and there is no uh, routine or rhythm which i can actually follow 
so that was a rude shock you know i couldn't uh, initially take it but because i had been uh, subconsciously programmed by the way my mom led her life she was a mother of two i had a brother she was uh, in the government service she was also uh, you know helping patients in the evening she was like a double engine and she was practically a single mom because my father was away for his studies and there were so many things going on so i think instinctively i i got the training from her you know informal training so how to you know deal with chaos and um, okay. just to you know look at how busy a gynecologist can be let me just start with uh, a male gynecologist life supposedly okay. a male gynecologist is able to focus on the profession more than the personal life because the family responsibilities may not be that of a woman and for a married woman you know it's a degree higher and for a uh, mother it's more and for a single mom like me you can imagine okay but i will tell this the more your challenges are and the harder you sweat the sweeter the success okay it's not a cliche it might appear or it might sound like a cliche but i truly believe that the harder i work and the more i have to cross challenges to be able to do the same thing i think the success is much sweeter and it makes life more um, fulfilling it doesn't mean that i don't break down i do break down i have my ups and downs but then i'm able to quickly pick up myself and then keep moving so that's what it is okay. so i try yeah so what i do is i divide my days in my mind into three days one is a typical work day but that's a retrospective conclusion i never know which is going to be a typical work day until the next day comes so it's a typical work day is usually i have my clinics i have my planned surgeries and then i have my uh, time at home with myself with my kid and then it's a, a normally paced day and then there are days which i call lazy days which is like i don't do anything uh, as per routine okay i don't follow a timetable i'm just being there that's it okay i do schedule those lazy days and protect my time to be able to you know perform better and then i have the days where it's a lazy day okay again this i will not know beforehand once it happens and then i label the day as a lazy day so those days it may not be a single day it may be running into two three days sometimes a week where i don't have enough time to eat or rest or even to bathe sometimes but i think the beauty of life is in the uncertainty and uh, my profession has helped me look at life in a much more equanimous way it has helped me take challenges of life in a much more balanced way and i think both my personal life challenges and my professional life challenges they have empowered me to tackle them in a much more better way okay it's very nicely said so meenu nowadays people are getting health conscious okay but it's still not that everybody is health conscious or they do go for regular checkups right only when there is some issue we go to the doctor and when the doctor says go do this checkup then we do but it's actually when you are even not having any health problems still it is better every year you go for a normal health checkup and see what is going in your body right so can you tell us like how important it is to do regular health checkups for everyone okay 
So I would like to uh, talk about this drawing an example from real life. Okay, see, for example, when we have a vehicle, be it a two-wheeler or a four-wheeler, when it causes some trouble, we definitely take it to the mechanic. And even otherwise, every year or there is a periodical overhauling that we do to just ensure that the machine uh, has uh, good life and then it works in the optimal condition so that fuel is used in the right way. Yeah, so that is the parallel I would like to draw when I uh, look at health checkups for people. Okay, so when you have a physical ailment, it doesn't take a lot of intelligence for you to seek the doctor's help. But when you feel good in yourself, it takes a certain amount of forethought to actually go and have a health checkup. Okay, so when I talk about health checkups, I usually show a picture showing like a, a tray full of lemons. Okay, so I would describe all of us as lemons. Just looking at the picture, there are many lemons. And the health checkup literally goes through the tray and picks out a tennis ball, yellow in color, very much similar in texture, which looks like a lemon, but it's not a lemon. It's a tennis ball. Okay, so that is the comparison is lemons are healthy people. The tennis is somebody with a problem. Okay, you may look like you're perfect. Everything is fine. Mm -hmm. But if there is a hidden issue, then the only way to pick it up is through tests. Okay. Okay. I'm saying it with a lot of care because there is a flip side to everything in life. You know, we are in a stage in life where we know that everything can have a flip side. So when you choose tests to have a health checkup, instead of just going into the market, just looking at the lab tests, which uh, many companies offer, talk to your physician and see what tests you need. Instead of just blindly going and getting a package, getting the test done and then meeting your doctor, Get your doctor's okay. help to be able to choose a package, you know. That way, you will not land up with results which don't mean anything to you. Or you will not be overspending on tests which you don't need in the first place. Or you will not have results which um, you don't know what to do. There was no need for the test and you did a test and then the test report came as something ambiguous. You know, you will not end up in such awkward situations. So right, right. what is the premise for health checkups? The aim is to pick up silent issues which could affect your health in a big way. So there are two categories. One is your life, uh, you know, lifestyle disorders like your diabetes, hypertension, hypercholesterolemia, even heart problems, weight issues. All of this fall in one category, lifestyle issues. Why do we pick up these problems? Because when we treat these problems, the quality of life and the longevity of life are much better. Otherwise, we will not pick up these problems. There are certain conditions that even if we pick up and we treat, there is not much benefit. Okay, We pick up the problems which if you're picking it up early, there has to be a benefit. Otherwise, we wouldn't do the test at all. That's the premise. The other important category of medical condition is cancers. Cancers, usually there are seven uh, symptoms that we say, like, for example, loss of appetite, loss of weight, any non-healing wound in the body, bleeding through any orifice in the body, which is unusual, or you have a mole which has changed the shape, or you have a different pattern in your bowel, things like that we will say. But there are some cancers which can be silent. And if they are picked up early, you have a chance of 100% cure. And if they are picked up late, you lose that golden window of opportunity where we can intervene and help you.
So that is the premise uh, on which health checkups have come into vogue and they have evolved over time to actually help you make your life better. But it's like a knife. If I hold a knife by the handle, then I can use it in the right way. If I hold the knife by the sharp end, where I think as a consumer, I can choose the tests and then I go with the reports to the doctor, then I may be not approaching the situation in the right way. And uh, one another thing I want to add is the common um, objections or criticisms against these tests are twofold. On one side, say, for example, a person goes through all the tests, everything is okay. The person can feel happy saying, wow, all my tests are good. I'm happy. Or they can say, why did I waste my money? I shouldn't have done the tests. They are anyway fine. I knew from the beginning I was okay. Why should I have done the test? That's another way of looking at it. On the contrary, if they do a test and they pick up a problem, again, you can look at it in two ways. The bright side, you know, the optimist says, thank God I did the test. Thank God I picked up this issue. Thank God I have the opportunity to make my health better. The pessimist view is, why did I do the test? I was feeling fine. If I hadn't done the test, I wouldn't have known this. Is this really my report? Have the reports got mixed up? What if I hadn't uh, you know, done the test? I would have been blissfully, ignorantly happy. You know, Everything has different views. And humans are not just the physical bodies. We are a bundle of emotions. Maybe memories from this life, past life, you know, we can just keep talking about all of that. Needless to say, what impact media creates, people around us, people who we love and respect, they uh, skew our perspective. Yeah, I can go on and on like this. (laughs) Yeah. It's very nice the comparison that you gave about the lemons and the tennis ball. We may appear to be healthy, but then internally there may be problems that we may not know. So it's good to uh, take checkups. And uh, without consulting the doctor, if we do checkup just on our own, that is not advisable. That is what you mentioned. Absolutely. And uh, one another thing is uh, human beings come in different forms, sizes and shapes. Okay. No individual is the same as another. Okay, and for the same person, different parameters are at different values. For example, just take your blood pressure. Your blood pressure is just changing every minute. So there is no fixed number. Some clients, when they come, they get so fixated on the numbers in the lab reports. Oh my God, last time my hemoglobin was 12.3. This time it is 12.1. What did I do wrong? You know, they go too much into the minutiae and then lose perspective and they get worried. And in those instances, worry becomes the bigger disease and they are actually healthy. And not all lab tests need to be interpreted as well. Some of them come as a package. Okay, that's how they do it. But we don't have to react for every value on the lab report. And allow the health professional to interpret it for you. You can probably get a baseline knowledge on the internet. But you really can't um, cull the information on internet and you really don't have the tool or resource to use discretion. Because I find people just going on the internet, getting random information, some authentic and some not. And then they worry themselves so much that that worry makes them sick. And they are healthy to begin with, which is very sad. This is what is practically happening, right? You know? Yes, yes. Yeah, because we have a lot of resources over the net. And then on top of that, like you said, even if they're healthy, looking at these things, they get worried and then they get more stressed, which is not all good. 
So, uh, how do you think a female should take care of her body at different stages in her life? Because a female's body requires more care, right? She attains puberty at her teenage, and then she goes through pregnancy, delivery, menopause—so many stages. So, how should she take care of herself? Okay, I would like to look at this from two perspectives. One is uh, physical health per se. Like for man and woman, there are some common health parameters like eating healthy. exercising stress reduction getting adequate sleep all of that so that will be common to both man and woman but pertaining to women's health mostly it is concerning her reproduction so mm-hmm. it starts i would say from puberty it's a beautiful life cycle and uh, there are predictable stages in her life where she will definitely need uh, healthcare support doesn't mean she is a patient doesn't mean she has a disease it's just that her life stages require health support so if you see the life cycle of a woman until 10 years both girl and boy children they are almost similar health needs wise they need their immunizations they need good food they need sunshine they need to play all of that mm-hmm. so once the age 10 comes into a woman's life that's the time she becomes a woman slowly so the adolescence is the period with a lot of physical changes mental changes hormonal changes and now with the exposure the globalization the media impact the peer pressure the lifestyle that we have there's a lot of things that are happening and it's like the girl is inside a washing machine she's in a whirl whirlpool kind of a thing so somewhere the grounding has to happen most of the time it is not the parent even though the parent would like to play that role uh it has to be someone else who is an adult whom the child can trust but same time the adult is able to have the responsibility towards that kid so for me i think a general physician your family doctor or your gynecologist is that person so to talk to them about how they can take care of themselves physically to help them cope accept the physical and mental changes to help them understand that they are evolving from girl to a woman i usually call them like you're becoming a butterfly from a larva when i say that they understand that they are becoming more beautiful they don't look at their bodily changes with shame there are lot of girls who go through the adolescence with shame they uh, hate their bodies becoming bigger they hate the bodies becoming shapely then when hair appears in the armpits and in the pubic areas they just get disgusted with their own bodies and when they bleed i think that is the last straw they just feels there's something terribly wrong with them and then there are a lot of um, misconceptions and taboos in our society and the mm. internet doesn't seem to clarify in fact it can add to it in a more uh, sophisticated way just the way in which the taboos are uh, you know circulated on uh some of these messengers no it looks like wow maybe it's true mm. you actually fall into that uh, fancy world where misconceptions are actually glorified and it's not easy same time mm. with the current lifestyle women and men uh, they move along together so there's a lot of uh, opportunity for them to explore sex even before their mind and bodies are ready and uh, chances of unwanted pregnancies sexually transmitted infections uh, man woman relationship self image it's it's a big ocean you know i'm just uh, showing you probably the shore of this ocean where adolescence the turmoil that they go through and our education system the 
challenges that come with it mm-hmm. there are a lot of contradictory messages that we give as a society to this group of youngsters you know we say one thing we do another thing and then we ask them to do another thing and then they're just lost you know so many a times they are uh, not grounded there's no reference point so i think i'm talking more about the mind i think mind is the basis of the health of the body so that's why i'm addressing that but it's not just my role it's it's like so many people have to actually uh, put in their part to make adolescence a beautiful time in youngsters lives okay now coming back to gynecology what we do we check whether their hemoglobin is okay whether their thyroid gland mm. is working appropriately give them basic education about their menstrual hygiene talk to them about the process of reproduction they may know more than what is required they may know things which are not right they may even have bizarre information so it's best to set it right the foundation has to be set right and it's okay to talk to them about protecting themselves from abuse issues uh, unwanted physical advances and even talk to them about contraception birth control so that they are equipped in, with all the resources and we just cannot think life will be kind to everybody may not be it's better that we name things and then help our younger people instead of leaving them in the dark and expecting them to just find a black cat in the dark you know i think it's unfair we should just talk and give them opportunity to speak their minds we may not be comfortable with the process and uh, if i see in this conversation the adult is feeling more awkward than the youngster but i think the adult has to learn to deal with this and uh, that way the world will be a better place to live in so starting from age 10 that's when i started this then age 20 i think they are either in the stage where they are much more mature and age 21 is the minimum age for marriage in our country yes. it's the right time to check her physical health because once there is a possibility of man woman bonding there is a possibility of a baby and i think every pregnancy needs to be planned the new life deserves that so it's again the same thing we check for basic health we also check whether the woman is protected from viruses like rubella and chickenpox because those two viruses if it affects a pregnant woman it can affect the iq of the child so why give place to such a tragedy so we do all of the preventive checkups again it's an opportunity to talk to them about the lifestyle things that they have to follow in terms of diet exercise etc etc and definitely customized uh, recommendations will be given on that particular individual's medical conditions family history work conditions individual needs etc then we move on to 30 by then most of us are married mm-hmm. now i will say once or twice because now the society is changing and they may have a kid or two or they may be contemplating their first kid or they may be having a struggle to conceive so there are different uh, patterns that we see so all of them will definitely need a baseline check and if they are sexually active for more than 3 years then it's also an opportunity to check the mouth of the uterus otherwise called cervix to look for pre cancers so we do that whole checkup doing the test called pap smear which is a painless test where we take uh, mouth of the uh, uterus discharge is taken and sent for testing breast examination is taught and whatever is the need of the woman if she wants to conceive we'll help her with that if she wants to space her pregnancies we help her with that 
if she wants to plan her first pregnancy we help her with that if she's completed the family wants a reliable method of birth control so that she's not worried every month whether she is you know having an unwanted pregnancy then we help her with that same thing again happens at age 40 but 40 is the age where a woman is almost becoming a man in terms of metabolism because closer to the menopause the metabolic advantage of being a woman is slowly going away so diseases like high blood pressure high sugar cholesterol uh, even heart issues start creeping in and the word c word cancers also no above 40 the chance is slightly more than when you are at 30 so the same checks are done but with much more intent and uh, there may be problems with the periods in terms of menopause issues bone weakness and even psychological overlay of emptiness syndrome and they may have uh, sexual difficulties a lot of things happen and 50 is mostly the same thing and after that just like for any other geriatric population the old age population senior citizen population it's it be- again becomes like another ch- second childhood man and woman become equal after 55 60 so you would have heard this rajini song uh, in tamil etta etta vaalkai pirikkanum solittu so i actually got inspiration from that song to keep a simple okay. formula so people can remember rule of 10 10 years a child becomes a woman you need to do this 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 age 20 30 40 and 50 so that's how i would like uh, women to remember about themselves and about the women in the family yeah wow. <laughs> a long answer <laughs> yeah but still you have covered everything whatever is happening in the society how women should take care of herself at every stage of life so now we often hear about these uh, pcod problems is there any difference between pcos and pcod wonderful question see this pcos pcod has become a household term it's become mm. um, you know what like those days when we talk about toothpaste it used to be colgate right so now mm-hmm. when we someone talks about period problem then immediately the next question is it pco did you check you know that's the next question correct <laughs> it's become so common that's why i want to ask you this yes thanks for bringing this up see pco i will uh, address different terms polycystic ovary literally each okay. word means poly means many cystic means any structure which contains water ovary you know it's the egg basket so hmm. polycystic ovary is an ultrasound appearance it is what we see on the scan how the ovary looks that is the word pco pcos is all the physical manifestations of the hormonal imbalance is called pcos the term pcod where d stands for disease was used at a point where we were still trying to understand about this condition so now we have given up on the term pcod and we use the word pcos when i started understanding about pco i went into you know other disciplines of medicine like ayurveda uh, energy medicine and i just wanted to find out why is it happening why do we see so much of women with pco and the bottom line is we are leading lives away from nature okay my allopathic colleagues may or may not agree with my statement now but this is what i have found in my research as we move away from nature we are inviting this hormonal imbalance yes it is very sad but it is very stark it is obvious 
and the solution is very simple go back to nature you know mm. that's all that's the thing i've made it very simplistic i agree there are a lot of genetics to it there's a lot of biochemical stuff hormonal stuff and then there can be volumes and volumes of literature on this topic but everything boils down to just one thing moving away from nature has put us in this precarious condition yes so you're saying the causes are for this is because we are eating more artificial things eating outside is it because of that yes yes i will go back to the very basics of how our body's hormonal system works okay all our hormones are produced by glands called endocrine glands and those glands are all you know orchestrated by the master gland called pituitary in the brain which is connected to a structure called hypothalamus which is the seat of emotions okay so that's where i think we can somewhat crudely say mind body connection happens hypothalamus and pituitary so i our hypothalamus it has a internal mechanism which is like a biological clock it's your internal clock and that clock is in sync with the universe our bodies are made up of the five elements you have the fire water space you know all of those panchabhutas yes. and we are all made from the universe okay so our body has a connection to the universe the sun moon wake cycle and if we are not aligned with nature then our body gets confused so what happens is when your body doesn't know when the day or night is there mm-hmm. then it starts producing hormones in an erratic fashion and it goes and affects the ovary in a different way the egg release is erratic signaling between the pituitary and the ovary is affected signaling from the ovary to the uterus is affected i'm putting it very simplistically actually but if you look behind the genetics and the, the hormones and it's like volumes and volumes but this is the basic problem so your body doesn't know when it is day when it is night when should i produce these hormones how should i release it should i release it in bulk or should i release it in a pulsed fashion so if we are in nature our body doesn't have to think that much it will be in the flow it will just do it automatically so the system is set yeah. so that's how it is so how are we corrupting our system so i'm just going to describe how it is so when the sun comes up you're supposed to get up and when the sun goes down you're supposed to relax and then go to sleep but in today's world you see a lot of us are we wake up in the night we are owls but that's a professional commitment i respect it but that's not the same for everybody so that's one the other thing is as okay. we move away from nature and we eat junk food which doesn't give nutrition just overloads the system again it becomes messy it's like using a flight to run on the road it's like that that's how we are abusing our body rather so it comes to stress management your sleep wake cycle how your sleep hours are everything so i've just given an overview there's a lot to understand Uh, research but it's very simple getting back to nature however you can some of our jobs are anti social you know we used to say graveyard hours we work in the night we sleep in the day doctors tell everyone to keep hours time take timely meals 
all of that but then we don't necessarily do it isn't it so yes and in our society it's an uphill course to be able to stick to nature because we have moved so much away from nature if we go back it looks right. alien we're not in a comfort zone and we have the fear that we may be left out and i'm seeing the young children particularly adolescents they show us how we've led our lives in vain the last 15 20 years i see young girls coming with pco obesity and they look like fully grown women they've not had an opportunity to actually be a child play so i'm talking about the physicality and when i ask their moms or even their girls like uh, don't you play or don't you do this they say we have special class and okay what about when you don't have the special class then she is attached to a monitor she is either attached to a mobile or a tablet or whatever so it's like very sad if they have menstrual issues we sort them out if they have issues with the facial hair acne cosmetic things we sort them out if they have weight issues we sort them out if they want fertility we give that if there is a long term effect because of the weight like diabetes hypertension cholesterol we sort them out but you see all these are uh, bandaid treatments they are not addressing the root cause so the root cause is go back to nature undo the damage whatever we have done allow your body to use its natural intelligence and the bandaid treatments are available for you we are not saying no but that's not everything correct very nice yeah so if we go back to nature our problems also will be going to zero we will not have problems as such absolutely and again uh, like the same like pcos now we find lot of infertility issues also happening in the society right it is for both uh, genders and there are a lot of uh, difficulties in pregnancy and ivf methods so many things have come up so what are actually the reasons why this is more common nowadays okay i am going to start with the opening sentence that i may not sound like an allopathic physician but i am talking the truth okay allopathy is a wonderful science it gives lot of remedies but mostly it deals with the end point where things have to be tackled with chemicals or surgeries but i am trying to go back to the roots because tiruvalluvar has told noi nadi noi mudal nadi aditanikkum vai nadi vai pesayal so you need to address the root cause it's like if you want a tree to grow well you need to water the roots you cannot water the leaves or the flowers or the fruits okay that's what allopathy does it's not the problem of the science the, the science is designed in such a way that it deals with the end effects and then it deals with the emergencies like surgeries and then if there are infections if there are accidents if there are cancers all of this is that the system is at this ease and then it comes here okay but i am going back to prevention because any day prevention is better than cure so i will be going back to the fertility thing i'll talk a little about the basis of fertility if you see fertility is a creative process do you agree nivi yes definitely yeah so you are going to create a new life okay so a man and a woman decide to share their love they want to create a new life who is going to be in their image and probably better than both of them right so it's a creative process but do all parents approach this with that mentality it's a question for which i don't want an immediate answer but it's just a question uh, to think about 
because most of the time a child is a necessary part of life a status symbol or a checklist in the process of life like schooling college work marriage child second child car house retirement sorry i'm putting it this way some of the listeners may hate me but i think i'm talking the truth so a child cannot be a checklist thing cannot be i think it's so sad again to look at a new life that way and for me in the evolution in the universe uh, the biggest project in a person's life is to continue the life through another person that's the biggest project but how much forethought do we give to that and uh, actually sit and see whether it's uh, suitable for the time that time for the child to come into their lives all of that so when fertility is viewed as a checklist thing your body will be in the uh, adrenaline mode and when your body is trying to fight something do you think you can create something can you make love no okay but that's what is happening it's like you are putting your pedal on your uh, pressing the brake and the accelerator at the same time and wondering why your uh, vehicle is jumping up and down your vehicle is just suffering shrieking that's, that's what i see and it's a very personal decision to have a child but somehow it has become a society's decision or a family decision yes maybe but whose responsibility is it who is going to actually go through the process so all these questions i'm asking not to question what is practiced but just to think whether that's what you want in life so i think when a baby comes to a couple's life uh, number 1 are they mentally ready do they actually love each other to share the love with the new one do they have enough self love do they have enough love to share with the other person their partner do they have enough love to share with the new one coming into their lives that's the number one question number 2 are their bodies ready are they in the fit condition do you eat well do you exercise do you make sure that the internal environment is supportive to the new life you know or at least have you stopped abusing yourself from junk so many things you know from your negative thoughts from self doubts i can just keep going on and on go through this checklist see whether your mind is stable see whether you are happy see whether your finances support my presence see whether your family support is there see whether your work conditions are okay for me all of that physically of course we have a clear system where we check the hemoglobin thyroid sugar the immunity those viruses whether they have the ability to conceive whether they have the ability to take the pregnancy to term how is the child's health going to be all of that we can take care no problem but the more important thing is before the baby comes and the fate of the child is written even before the woman realizes she's pregnant okay how do you know a woman is pregnant only when she misses a period when she misses a period she is already like at least 28 days is crossed so the fate of the child is decided before she knows that she is pregnant and the only way to have some control over that is to plan the pregnancy and to optimize conditions for the new life to come so i am talking about pre pregnancy and pregnancy planning when you are talking about fertility even though it looks like two different topics they are very well connected why am i saying this 
you do all these things right fertility issues will come down okay and as a society we call uh, newly married couples if they don't conceive within 2 months 3 months we just label them as infertile or sterile and use unkind words and make them feel awkward put them to shame induce guilt yeah. ostracize them and uh, even in family functions etc etc they are treated differently or at least they think they are treated differently it's it's my dissertation topic is uh, in infertile population how is their mind the psychosocial aspects so that's very close to my heart and i understand how much traumatic it can be for the couples particularly for the woman because she's an easy target for uh, the society the family and she herself also is very comfortable putting herself down because she's used to doing that and that becomes her default position because a woman is said to be complete only when she becomes a biological mother okay i don't know who said this she says this to herself now let me go to the uh, logical side and tell you what all could be wrong for the man uh, his performance could be a problem his interest in the act could be a problem his working hours could be a problem his physical health in terms of just tiredness and not having enough sleep could be a problem and if you look at the semen analysis the count the movement and the structure of the uh, sperms could be an issue if you move on to the woman's side again we go into the reproductive organs per se whether the ovaries produce eggs whether the tubes are able to allow the eggs and the sperm to meet whether the uterus is in the right situation to receive the uh, embryo so this is what we basically see apart from checking the hormones and whether love making happens okay mm. it looks very um, uh, elementary or uh, primitive rather when i say love making should happen for a baby so you might be thinking what else will happen but take it from me not enough love making is happening there are a lot of couples who have sex just to make babies because they are so tired after coming from office they don't have knowledge of the fertile period and they look at it like another tick box checklist oh my god this is my fertile day if i have to make a baby and get away from the society's labeling i will have to have sex today this is the mind voice do you think this is the right mindset will creation happen no yeah. it's like you're contradicting yourself you don't even know whether you want it so this is all my observation from handling patients talking to friends understanding what is happening in the society all of that so when you're relaxed and when you're in the act and when you share love of course the physical aspects have to be right a baby will form okay it's actually not so difficult to allow a baby to come but when you try so hard you're going into the adrenergic mode and actually putting a stop to the natural process one more thing nivi when i see couples who are trying for baby for a long time it's natural that they get upset they go through the cycles of expectation and disappointment that they actually curb their expectations and then they just say let my periods come i'll come for treatment next month when i am going to tell them come with a positive pregnancy test that's the intention if you get your periods come on the second day so i will actually literally word word by word i try to change their uh, internal dialogue their self talk 
I'll also uh, tell them that, see, if I come to your home, will you greet me with a smile? They'll say, yes, madam, Wanga, madam, this madam. Yeah, they will ask me. They show so much love to me. And then I ask them, see, if a new life has to come to you, are you smiling enough? Are you happy? Then they say, how can I be happy? I have been trying for so long. I said, yes, you have invited the guest to your home for so many times. But when the time is right and the guest is coming, if you have a long face and if you are not happy, how will the guest feel? You know, I use such uh, as probably silly examples. But then I, I say that so that they understand the perspective. Yes, yes. It's very necessary, actually. And I think that's the minimum uh, respect and the dignity that we can offer to the new life whenever the time is. Mm. These are few things that we are actually missing, which is very important. But we are not seeing that. Yes. So on the same lines, like nowadays, because of late marriages, whatever, or people go for a second kid after a long time, maybe even after 40. So is it actually safe and possible to have a delivery after the age of 40? Maybe even if it's a first child or a second child. And how do you think females should be mentally and physically be prepared to have a safe and normal delivery without any complications? Okay, the number one thing that we have to look at is nature tells us that the best time to conceive is between 23 and 28. Okay, so many of us actually don't even think of marriage in that age. And beyond 30, the ability to conceive comes down. And after 35, it drastically comes down. And after 40, the word menopause comes into our vocabulary. And the average age of menopause or when your menses stops or when your ability to conceive stops is around 45. There are women who have their cycles still 55 also, but the fertility potential, we would say, stops around 45. This is without external help by nature. So your first kid, as much as possible, try and have before the age of 30. That's my first tip. If, because of life situations, you are able to have your kid only after 30, then don't postpone it any further. Optimize all the life situations and try and get your first kid ASAP. That's how I would say. And age 40 again, there are three challenges. Number one, the woman's ability to conceive. That's a separate workup and we look at various things and not just hers, her partners, all of that. The second part is her ability to carry on the pregnancy. So that will involve her overall health checkup, whatever I have mentioned, and in particular, her heart's condition. And we also check for all the uh, lifestyle diseases because those things can start coming, like BP, sugar, cholesterol, thyroid, heart issues, all of that. Then the third part is what will be the health of the child? Because congenital defects, that is birth defects, and chromosomal problems, genetic problems in the child are much more common. As the woman becomes older, the chances are more. I can give you a simple number to remember. The commonest chromosomal problem that we see is called Down syndrome, where the child has less IQ than their counterparts. It is not a life-threatening condition, but their longevity of the child is less. And they could also have heart problems, kidney problems. Oh, this is what the condition is. So if you look at the probability of having a child, uh, it depends on the age. Somebody at 20, the chance is roughly 1 in 2,000. For somebody at 30, it is 1 in 1,000. When it is 40, it is 1 in 100. 
So if you see the uh, the probability or the chance of having a child with a serious problem becomes more as we age. So you start your family early and complete your family early. That will be the best thing for you and the child. But it's not impossible either. On the other side, you have IVF and advanced fertility techniques, but they all come with a specific success rate. And uh, there also you do have the chance of these defects, issues, all of that. And you asked particularly about the mode of delivery. The mode of delivery depends on few factors. Number one, the health of the pregnant mom, whether she's physically fit, whether she's able to go through labor. That's one point. Number two, what is the best way for the child to be born? Because at that stage, most of the pregnancies are IVF pregnancies. Most of them have had some issues like bleeding in pregnancy, low placenta, pregnancy diabetes, pregnancy hypertension or twins, things like that. So in those situations, many a times operative delivery may be the safest option compared to the normal delivery. But if there are no uh, contraindications medically, normal delivery can be achieved. It is not impossible, but the chances are less as we become older because of the medical conditions, because of the physical structural changes and because of the health of the baby that has conceived and how much effort has gone into the process of conceiving and what are the expectations of the couples. You know, those days when five or six kids used to be there, if uh, one or two kids have a serious issue or challenge or birth trauma, things like that. Yes, it was sad, but somehow people coped with it. Now with one or two child norm and with our uh, sense of entitlement, era of intense uh, immediate gratification, we really don't want anything to go wrong. So that time, uh, operative delivery uh, may be chosen by the parents-to-be because normal delivery has some uh, uncertainties. But any day, normal delivery will be a safer option for the baby and the mother than an operative Mm -hmm. delivery. And there are so many factors where we decide which is the best. And normal delivery is something that we look back and label the event. No one can predict normal delivery telling, yes, you will deliver 100% normal. None of us can say that. It is something that happens and we look at the event and then we say, yes, it was a normal delivery. That's how it is. Until the last minute, there is an element of suspense. There are a lot of uncertainties for the mother and the child who is born. But with operative delivery, there is a certain sense, certainty and a safety net. But it is a surgery. It has its benefits and risks it could uh, also have issues for the baby and we always look at uh, making these choices by analyzing and balancing risks and benefits and it is an individualized decision wow we know it was such a deep conversation with you (laughs) yeah earlier the better right the probability of uh, conceiving and delivering a baby is easier when you are in your 20s Yes, if you still uh, need the doctor's input to help you make the choice, there are tests that can be done to check your fertility and uh, see whether it's okay to, you know, postpone it for a couple of months, six months, one year. Mm -hmm. Take the help. For that, you can use tests to help you make an informed choice and a decision. You can freeze eggs. Those options are there, but they are highly technical and uh, everything comes with a price to pay. 
but also other things that come with it the procedure the discomfort with the procedure certain uncertainties you know revolving around the technicalities all of that there are options okay yeah so if a person really wants to go for a baby then they can think of options and go accordingly so what advice would you like to give a person who wants to follow their passion but they do not know how to go about it? suddenly the word ikigai came to my mind it's a japanese term you know nibi where uh, there are four circles and then uh, you try and see uh, what's your strength and whether you love doing it whether people have a need for your skill and whether they will be able to pay you for it mm. and when you find that spark something which doesn't let you sleep and something which you will do even if you're not paid for it something which you will do without minding your thirst hunger and whether your bladder is about to burst then you found your passion mm. so i think when you find that then uh, it's just a matter of time where you acquire skills and uh, this 10000 hour rule i think it's a very uh, beautiful way of looking at how long it takes for us to master or uh, go to the expert level of a particular profession or acquire a skill and um, passion with power makes purpose i believe yeah very nice that's very nicely said okay so we have come to the end of the uh, interview mino so what is your message to the listeners what would you like to say then have we come to the end i've been loving this yes. conversation with you nevi i could go on for hours together <laughs> yes we all are uh, beautiful beings we all are divine beings we've come into this world to make mistakes and learn our lessons and move forward so don't hold back go full strong uh, whether it's positive or negative live the experience intensely fall when you have to fall fall on your face when you have to get up get up and have the wonder woman posture so that's what i would love to tell you love you all love uh-huh. you so much when we make mistakes we actually get scared It gives us a negative feeling right but then somebody should be there to say it's okay fine it's okay you we made a mistake just learn from it again we should not repeat the same mistake that is where the lesson lies and when you don't have anybody to say that you be that person to yourself and if possible for another person also mm, yeah but that takes a lot of courage we yes. normally we don't tell it to ourselves right we always want someone to tell it but when there is no one we have to tell it to ourselves yeah yeah thank you nivi love you so much as usual whenever i have such conversations with the beautiful souls like yourselves you help me discover parts of me and you help me heal and you've made me a better person just by allowing me to be part of this uh, whole conversation and uh, this show best wishes uh, let god be with you in all your actions be happy keep smiling love you so much thank you so much meenu it's an honor to have you on my show and you have said so many things about pregnancy you have spoken so much about infertility and pcos you have enlightened us with so many things it was a wonderful conversation with you it was so deep and to all of you who would like to connect to her on social media you can catch her on instagram facebook and also on whatsapp and the social media handles are also shared in the description below and uh, thank you so much guys for your time in listening to this episode i'm sure it would have added a lot of value to your life and also given you clarity of how to live your passion with a purpose so if you enjoyed listening to this episode 
do subscribe to my podcast and share it with your family friends and colleagues and give it a five star rating and please don't forget to share your comments on what you think about this episode you can also connect to me on instagram at power of fashion and i will catch you next week on another inspiring episode of power of fashion until then stay safe and most importantly do what you love thank you